Welcome to the Made for Memories podcast, where we explore the sport and business of fishing and the great outdoors in Canada. Presented by Len Thompson and Northern King Lures. Here are your hosts, brother and sister duo, Brad Pallister and Jessica Pallister Dew. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Made for Memories podcast. Uh, today's episode is going to be a little bit different. Uh, today, we want to talk to you a little bit about our Fishing for Food Banks campaign. Brad, tell our good listeners how the campaign got started. Uh, well, <clears throat> it was April, right at the very beginning of COVID, and uh, the world shut down. The governments had kind of made everything very restrictive and and we were, and all of our customers didn't know what was happening. So they kind of put all of our POs on hold. Um, so we didn't have anything to do, but we wanted to keep all of our employees employed. And uh, we decided to do some make work projects and, and we cleaned up the factory and we, we repainted everything and we reorganized everything. But then after all that was done, we still didn't have any purchase orders or things that that we could invest our time in um, proactively, I guess. Uh, so we decided, uh, well, I think you and I talked about hearing a, a good article about the increase in food bank usage and and uh, kind of the crisis that the food banks were going through at the time. And we're like, well, why don't we kind of build some lures as a campaign to donate to food banks? So we decided to come up with six limited edition patterns as most of our, our listeners know, Len Thompson doesn't come up with new patterns very often. And we thought that this might, might garner some extra support to have those, uh, those uh, fans purchase a, a unique Len Thompson and then half of all proceeds were able to go to uh, food banks across the country. So that's kind of where it all started. And here we are three years later. The first year it exploded. Yeah, I, uh, what were the numbers again? It was like 25000 or something like that? So in 2020, we donated $24,350. And in 2021, we donated $16,840. And as of today, we have raised $8,776 for this year's campaign, which means that we are at $49,966, which means we're almost at 50,000, which means we just need to sell nine more lures to cross that 50,000 mark. I think that's doable. I think we'll make it, but that's exciting. Like $50,000 is, isn't a small chunk of change. Um, and I think that the, thing that we were so passionate about at the beginning as well was supporting smaller communities in these campaigns. Yeah. Well, I mean, we started with our own food bank here in Lacombe as our very first donation. And, and I remember her saying that, uh, you know, it's very difficult at times to get volunteer, to get extra resources for smaller centers or volunteer based food banks, especially, um, ones where you don't have, uh, you know, professional fundraisers going out looking for donations and things like that. 
And so that's where we targeted our most of our donations too, was that kind of 5,000 person community to 50,000 person community. Um, and uh, we tried to tried to hit every province. Did we hit every province? I think we've hit every province and territory now, haven't we? Uh, maybe not all the way out east. Um, we have focused most of our donations in the West, not because we don't like the other parts of Canada, but because we had a lot of dealer support in those areas. So by dealer, we mean private retailers who brought in the lures to sell. Um, and when dealers make a donation, we try to support the communities that they're in. So, um, but we have been up north uh, in the territories. We've done um, some donations in Ontario and Quebec, um, and then uh, quite a few in BC as well, actually, going a little further west. Boy, we need to we need to get some money out to our friends in the Maritimes this year. I think that's a good plan. Yeah. That's a good plan. Well, we have uh, 8,700 bucks that we need to get rid of and um, hopefully more. So one of the stops that we did <clears throat> on our Fishing for Food Banks road trip, which Brad and I uh, took the 2000... Year 2000. Year 2000 family travel air that we camped in when we were teenagers. And we hauled it to... 10 food banks in nine communities in eight days. Correct. In 2020. That was a really fun road trip. It was. Yeah, I enjoyed it very much. So what we did was we uh, had our partners here at co-op organize some food donations because we had also heard, um, depending on the food bank, sometimes they prefer food donations over cash donations just because it's hard to get those volunteers to source the food. Um, so we did half and half donations. So we would donate food and give them a little bit of money. So we packed the travel air with, oh gosh, I can't remember how many pounds, a lot of pounds, thousands of pounds. I think it was, no, I think it was 1800 pounds anymore. And it would have been bad for the trailer. Okay. Then I'm exaggerating. However, <laughs> we packed it with a lot of food. It was all yeah. It was in the bathroom. It was. Like, you, were sleep, you were sleeping on it, weren't you? Basically, I was sleeping beside it. Yeah, for sure. Um, we had uh, one of our staff build like a little rail to keep it kind of in the the table area. But anyways, we we packed the trailer, and it was height COVID, so we kind of wanted the trailer there so that we had a backup plan for sleeping. Um, and we did camp a little bit, and uh, it was just yeah, it was a really rewarding time and I got to hang out with my favorite brother for eight days as well so yeah you weren't you nice. weren't you weren't a pain in the butt too much not too bad it's a pretty no. good road trip mate yeah yeah but we got to see some of our dealers along the way and uh the home country Saskatchewan yeah we got to go back to Abernethy which was really cool we always like going back to Abernethy so um anyways I digress um one of the stops on this road trip was the Battleford's Food and District, or Battleford's District Food and Resource Center. So today we're actually going to talk to somebody from that organization to ask a few questions about food banks. Hi, Erin. Hello. Welcome to the Made for Memories podcast. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. Uh, so I'd like to take a moment to introduce Erin. Katerinich. Did I get Katerinich. it? Katerinich. Katerinich. Close. Katerinich, yes. Yes. 
I tried to nail it before we hit record and I failed miserably, but <laughs> that's okay. Erin's here and that's the important part. So Erin is the executive director of the Battlefords District Food and Resource Center. In 2020, the Battlefords District Food and Resource Center was on our drop-off list during our Fishing for Food Banks uh, 2020 road trip. And Erin was gracious enough to show us around the center. Um, and we were truly, truly impressed by her operation there. So we wanted to bring her on the podcast today to talk to you a little bit about food banks. So Erin, tell us a little bit more about your organization. All right, well, the Balfour's District Food and Resource Center, we have a food hamper that's available five days a week for people who are low income or struggling with food insecurity. And only in the mornings from 9 to 1130, but then in the afternoons we have other programs such as today right now we have a free income tax clinic for low income people to file their taxes. Right now we have a gentleman in here who's doing his 2019 2020 and 2021 taxes so keeps us busy. We have other programs as well aimed at children like we do this food for kids program and that is during the school year we have different schools that come down to the food bank, make these bags of food with child-friendly foods that kids can eat on their own with no help from their parents for the weekends. We also have a food for, or a milk for kids program where we make sure that every family that has children has some access to fresh milk. At Christmas time, we do a big Christmas hamper for people and all the children get a toy as well as their Christmas meal. Plus it's about a week's worth of food. Oh, we have all kinds of programs like we have coats for kids in the winter and we do it for adults as well. We use recycled winter clothing and hand it out to children who are not dressed properly in the winter. So we're pretty busy all year round. There's always something happening here. Actually, right now we're also doing this uh, compost garden or lasagna garden where you, there's no digging or tilling required and everything's above ground. And that's what keeps us busy in the afternoons as well right now. Good for you. When, when we did our tour, <clears throat> coming from a point of privilege or a life of privilege, I've never, I'd never been in a food bank before. Certainly supported food banks before in the past, but never been in a food bank. Um, and uh, one of the things that I think I was most surprised about is the percentage of the recipients that are children. Uh, can you remind me what the stat is um, on the percentage of recipients, food banks in general, that, that generally um, are uh, based or driven towards children? Well, I know across Canada, it's about 35% are children. But actually right now in our big display window that's on the street, it says that 52% of the people that we helped were children. So yeah, it's, it's quite big in my area. But we do the Battlefords and also the surrounding area. So there's quite a few different First Nations and smaller communities that we also help. And actually right now we're averaging around 2000 people that we help in a month. And that's, you know, more than 10% of our population. Mm. Of which half of those are children. Yes. Tell, tell me a little bit more about some of those um, trends recently in terms of food bank usage, because obviously um, there was COVID and now there's huge inflation, um, especially in um, and around food and grocery security. So talk to me a little bit about that. 
Oh yeah, we've seen a lot of new people coming to the food bank. A lot of people that have never used a food bank before. Cause yeah, like you said, with the price of gas and the price of food right now, it's just hard to make ends meet. And all it takes is, you know, a flat tire to throw everything into chaos when you live from paycheck to paycheck. And when everything goes up and your pay stays the same, yeah, we've certainly seen a huge increase. Unfortunately, with the cost of food going up, we're also seeing a decrease in donations and the demands going up, so. Uh, where do you uh, get your food products in terms of funding? Like is most of it donation-based or is it a, a larger percentage grant-based or how do, you, how do you work that side of things? The largest for us, like we have no core funding, right? So yes, I apply for grants that help with different programs. But most of it's donations and we're in the Battlefords, we have a great community who are great at supporting us every time we make a call out like in April, our shelves are almost bare. We put a call out saying that we needed food and we got over 8000 pounds of food so we also do like we pick up reclamation from the grocery stores five days a week so I think it was like it was like over $200,000 worth of food that we saved from the uh, the dump that came here instead we go through it and everything that we don't use goes to different farmers to feed their livestock so hmm. we try and save a lot of it from the landfill and pass it on to different people when we can't use it fantastic i yeah. think i remember you telling us uh about the volunteer community that that helps out as well how many volunteers do you have versus uh uh you know full-timers that you have at the at the food bank well for employees there's four of us here now and then volunteers we probably have about five or six volunteers on any given day monday to friday in the mornings school's over now but during the school year we have schools like like different classes from on tuesday wednesday and friday we have different schools come in to make our food hampers for us so it gives the kids and I an opportunity to come down and see what we do and actually help out with us so that they know what it, what is going on and what's happening in our community. It was a busy place. It was a busy place when we were there. Yes. So Aaron, one of the things that we did when we first started the campaign is we wanted to start focusing our uh, donation requests to kind of the smaller centers, kind of the anywhere from 5,000 to 50,000 uh, um, person communities. Uh, tell us a little bit about the difference of say, a smaller food bank center versus some of the bigger centers and what the demand is versus the, uh, the availability of resources. Well, I can say that like, we have no issue finding volunteers, but one thing about being in a smaller center is that we don't have the big companies here. Like I know in bigger centers, they can get quite big food donations because they have, you know, big com food companies with warehouses and stuff like that. Like, for example, in Regina, there's a Loblaws warehouse. So I know the Regina Food Bank will get a lot of food from that. And we just we don't have that. Like there's no pasta plant in town or anything like that. So we don't get a huge like bulk donations like that. It's also sometimes difficult to ship food to us when it's like nationally shipped out just because we are a smaller center which is why we became a hub 
to the northern food banks. That way people just have to send it to us and then we split it up and take it off other places because we're just not a big center and cost money to get the food sent, right? Especially now. Uh, one of the questions I had, um, you spoke about dwindling donations and then just a call out to the community. What are the most in demand items at the food bank? For us, it's any kind of non-perishable healthy foods like canned beans, you know, canned soups and stews, whole wheat pasta, pasta sauce, all kinds of stuff like cereals, pancake mix, peanut butter, honey, anything for sandwiches, stuff that's, you know, will last a little bit longer. So that's what we're most, you know, everything. We look for everything. We're happy to accept it all. So speaking of donations, uh, Leisure Time Sports, which is a local uh, outdoor shop in the Battleforts, has been one of our generous partners for all three years of the Fishing for Food Banks campaign. So they had purchased some of the latest uh, Fishing for Food Banks designs and they're available for purchase in store. And because of their participation, the Battlefords Food Bank is on our list again this year. So uh, you will be receiving a $500 cash donation. Awesome, that's fantastic to hear, yay. Well, Erin, thank you so much for your time today and for educating our listeners a little bit more about um, the need for food banks. Thank you. I've had a really good time. Oh, you're welcome. This was your, your first podcast. You nailed it. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> Short and sweet, right? Yeah. Thanks so much, Erin. Now, before we conclude this episode, um, if you would like to help, you can go to www.shocklandthompson.ca to make a purchase or better yet, support a local community retailer. Here is a list of our fantastic retail partners. Ruby's Outdoors in Creighton, Saskatchewan. Warehouse Sports in St. Paul, Alberta. Grand Passage Outlet in Oshweken, Ontario. Kodiak Lake Hunting and Fishing in Barhead, Alberta. Leisure Time Sports Excellence in North Battleford, Saskatchewan. Murph's Outdoor Equipment in Sundry, Alberta, Watchers Home Hardware in Watchers, Saskatchewan, and Westlock Home Hardware in Westlock, Alberta. Truly, thank you so much for your support. Until next time, happy fishing!